Hi, I'm John Billingsley, and you are listening to Beyond Track Podcast. What are some thoughts of yours towards the whole, like, is Star Trek getting too woke? The idea that a show that exists to push the boundaries in terms of what is acceptable and what is it, and what it should be like just part of our human condition, which is, you know, everybody on the fucking ship, everybody on the fucking ship, as long as you're nice. To me, it's like you can't be too woke. A red alert. You know, I don't know about you guys, but we should get rid of daylight savings time. Why do we have it? It makes no sense whatsoever. Because now here's what happens is you get around 514, 517 in the evening and then boom, dark. Just gets dark fast. It's because of the sun lobby. The sun is literally lobbying us to, so that it can keep more of its sunlight. That's really all this is about. It, it's got to be. It, which is ridiculous. You know what I was doing the other day? So got done with work, got outside as quickly as I could, got on the riding mower. I'm flying around on this thing like a fool, trying to get the grass cut as quick as I could because I knew it was going to get dark. So I get done with that and I figure, oh, I've got a little bit of sunlight left. Let me do, let me do the edging real quick. Well, I mean, I get halfway through the edging and it's pitch freaking black outside. So here I am in the dark edging the lawn trying to get a good sense from for where I'm at, which is not too hard because I, I grew up right here at this uh, at this home. So I'm familiar with the yard. I need one of those minor lamps, you know, lamp with a with a light on it. Can you they sell those at Walmart now. They have them for like dog walkers and such, too. Well, yeah, I know they have it. It's just I could have used it then. So people would drive by and be like, who the hell's this jackass with a lamp light on edging the grass? Me. Uh this is why I live on a starship. No daylight savings. Don't need it. We have like 80,000 suns. Why do we need to follow just one? Hey, Dag, you've been on the low side. We can't hear you. Yell. Speak loudly, my son. I don't want to <laughs> yell. Maybe well, I'll just be louder. Yeah, yeah, there's there's that. I've never taken you for one as that's a, that's a quiet talker. Unless you're trying to read me a bedtime story. Oh. Or maybe not. I don't know what to do about that. Hey, this is you Beyond Track to Podcast. Tell people about the bedtime stories, Jay. We haven't <laughs> even released the ASMR channel yet. Oh no, we haven't. <laughs> do we need an ASMR channel? I, I think so. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you've got a great for... voice for radio, Big Jay. <laughs> Me? I, I should do that. I should start recording like you know nighttime readings or something. Just. Just read like the phone book really close to the mic and be like, hey, everybody, how you doing today? Tonight, you're going to listen to some really good stuff. It's going to be Dag on the radio talking about nothing. <laughs> well, hey, this is Beyond Trek Podcast, right? I'm Big J so, here with Dag and Renzo on this wonderful, very nice Sunday, not where there's crap. And uh, so this is another Sunday or virtual Trek Con. And what are we going to talk about today? Three grown men talking about a Nickelodeon cartoon. So for those of us watching and for those in our chat group, thank you so much for coming. Hope you guys are ready to start talking cartoons. I can't remember the last time I watched anything on Nickelodeon. Probably since the Ren and Stimpy days. I watched Avatar The Last Airbender while like I was there. Like legitimately. Because I was there with Korra too. Yeah, Korra, Korra as well, that's true. Airbender, like 100%. 
And I think those are really cool shows to like preface Prodigy because Prodigy has a lot of these elements in here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really digging uh, the beginning of these stories for these characters. So uh, buckle up, because if you haven't seen Prodigy, you should probably go watch it before you watch the rest of this. But we're live, so you don't have a choice. We're going to be spoiling everything you need to know about the first four episodes of Star Trek Prodigy. If, if you don't here, want to be spoiled, go watch the episode and then watch us on a VOD on YouTube later. Yeah, that works too. Yeah, come, yeah, come back to the replay. in chat. We need the numbers. <laughs> so what do you guys think of this cartoon? Should we call it a cartoon? Because Lower Decks is an animated series. To me, this is a cartoon. Am I wrong on that? I don't see the distinction. I don't yeah, really I'm, care. I'm, I'm more interested in uh, in what's happening because like my all eyes are on Doll right now with like what's going on. But let's talk about what Prodigy is first. Yeah. If you're brand new to Prodigy joining us live, uh, Star Trek Prodigy is, to summarize, uh, a group of kidnapped kids break free from the grasp of this evil villain named the Diviner. Uh, they eventually find and steal this Federation starship called the USS Protostar. It's a test bed Federation starship, and the Diviner really, really wants this ship. We don't know why yet. Through hijinks and learning, the protagonists, all these characters that we'll talk about, will discover how to work together and continue to foil said villains. And uh, we want everybody to know that uh, the, the great author, producer, writer, David Mack was a consultant for the first 20 episodes of Prodigy. And uh, we just interviewed him yesterday to talk about the third book in the Star Trek Coda trilogy. That's gonna come out on November 30th. But right now, I just wanna know one thing. Who is your favorite character in Prodigy so far and why? Ooh, well, before I, or any of us mentions that, almost forgot to say later on in this episode, if you guys all want to hang around a little bit later as we get towards the end, we're going to put up the phone number for the Beyond Track hotline so that the uh, folks that are either watching or in our uh, live chat right now can call us, call in, talk to us about their impressions of Prodigy. So we're going to have our chat line open up later on. So I'm trying to I'm trying to think uh, character wise. Um Skip me real quick. Let's put Renzo on the spot. Sure. So I really like Hollow Janeway's interaction with Rock Chalk. It's helped develop Rock Chalk as a character for me um, because it's kind of hard to use emotional cues from like a giant garnet boulder, right? Which is essentially what she is. But the interactions between the two of them show that Rock Chalk like literally remembers nothing before her slavery on Tarzomora. So it's, it's, I want to know more about her. She's my favorite character. I want to know where she comes from. I want to know more about the Brakar, her people. That's, that's what I want more. Did you know the Brakar had been introduced in Star Trek previously? I did. They, they are quite big in, in a, the novel series, actually. Uh, a character named Zach Kebron uh, was a security officer on the USS Excalibur, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that was Peter David's New Frontier series. So it's cool to see a lot of those deeper digs into um you know the other universes the lit verse we get some sto stuff it's really nice and it's not just a, a similarity in name only because the brick in the book were also like giant hulking rock people um 
And he specifically mentions that they go through a lot of changes in their physical development. So if there's any sort of like difference in appearances between what's in the books and what's on screen now, they've already explained the why in the original book. So no retcon needed. You guys must do a lot of reading. Yeah, I like to read a lot. I mean, I think the last time I sat and read a Star Trek book was probably... Last week? <laughs> no, early 2000s. Yesterday. The, the CODA series, I've got the audiobook because... The audiobook is the only way I would even have a chance of getting through it. I'm just I'm just not a sit down, read a book kind of person. I might get through a page or two and then immediately I'm thinking there's probably something else I should be doing right now. So audio, audio is the way to go. Um, so, oh, character for me. Um that's that's tough. If I had to name uh, any, and I if I didn't catch your name, the one that's got kind of the uh, uh, Visage, Gen, uh, Ventress vibe. Gwen. Uh, Gwen. Gwen. Okay. Um, did I say her name right? I know it's Ventress or, you, yeah, you know, her, from Star Wars. That's the Star Wars character. Yeah. Yeah. I her full name in this last episode, but I didn't write it down. Oh, gotcha. So, yeah, I would have to Gwen. say... She seems to be the one that's going to be kind of the the mystery character. You know, where's her allegiance kind of thing. So that, that's what I'm going to keep my eye on. And yours is zero. Let me guess. Yeah, you didn't say yours. How did you know? I mean, it's just a guess. I mean, it's true. I'm very interested in this Medusa, why they're here, what they're trying to do um you know as as the deeper fans that we know we are it's like how do we have this combination of some deltas some new some beta quadrant species all wrapped up in this one ship and what is this medusin doing here how'd they get here what's their goal what's their aim they're the person we know the least about but they're also telepathic so they're like just diving into everybody else's head yeah. we don't know anything about them i need to know well, so the we don't know anything about any of the characters' origins, really, any of them, except for uh, Jenkin Pog, the Tellarite of the team. He's right. the engineer. We know that he came from a Tellarite sleeper ship. We don't know how long ago that was launched. We don't know where it came from exactly. We just know it's a Tellarite sleeper ship, which means probably a very slow, long journey to the Delta. Why are probably, the, I mean, that begs an unanswered question. Why would the Tellarites sending sleeper ships out? Or maybe it's like... A maybe it's ship? a couple centuries old, yeah. yeah. No, you could be right there. Well, it's the same reason how conveniently a Cardassian torpedo ended up in the Delta well, We know quadrant. that got there through the Caretakers array as well. We know right. that much, right? But a sleeper ship is like designed to take centuries to get anywhere, basically. So I don't think that one has anything to do with the Caretaker. Hmm. That's just my guess, though. We don't oh, no, know. No, it, it doesn't. It, I'm just making the comparison about things that mysteriously show up in the Delta Quadrant because we are in the Delta Quadrant was what I picked up from yep. from this series. Yes. OK. I'm, and I'm glad yeah. we're back in the Delta Quadrant. To me, that's that's pretty cool because so much Star Trek happens in the Alpha and Beta Quadrants, not a whole lot in Gamma, a little bit in, in Delta with Voyager. Now, I'm not counting all the all the books and everything because that's not canon, but it's good that we're back in the Delta Quadrant and not with the series that abandoned its premise after the first episode. So you know, that's just me talking about Voyager. I'm, I'm still creeped out by Dreadnought. 
I think Dreadnought yeah. is one of the most terrifying villains we've ever seen in any Star Trek. Like, just physical terror. The appearance is freaking scary. He reminds me a lot of uh, baddies from video games, right? Like, the villains in, like, one of the Doom games he reminds me of. He reminds me of some of the oh. baddies from Elite Force. Like, his whole, like, spider with, with shooting guns on the sides, like, feel. Just feel straight out of a video game, and I love it. Well, what are we going to talk about in this show? I can tell you, I'm not, I mean, I'm not a huge cartoon watcher. You know, I wasn't sure what we were going to, as I'm watching this, I'm comparing it to, and I shouldn't be, but thinking about Lower Decks as I'm watching it. And Lower Decks is certainly geared as an animated series towards the older audience, like, like us packed with all kinds of references and Easter eggs that we would catch and we would understand. And then I watch Prodigy and I know it's directed at kids. I, I know the age group they're looking for is like what, seven to you know, well, four or five or six to 11 or 12 is the, the audience they're looking for. And it kind of feels like that. Like it just, it, it feels like there's, it's a very, we just got to get from point A to point B We've got the phasers, we've got the tricorders, we've got a ship, but there's not much that they're deep diving into, which I can understand that. If you're doing a cartoon for kids, they're not going to catch or understand if, if they get too deep in all of the, well, like the stuff that Lower Decks did. You know what I mean? No, I disagree so wholeheartedly. I mean, I can't even, right? So for me, the, the thing that Prodigy is trying to do is trying to go back to that TOS-style moral story. Mm -hmm. It's not super complicated because it's meant for kids, sure. But TOS also, by modern standards, did not have complicated stories. It gave you a morality tale with here's a problem, here's how you approach it, here's what's wrong with your original approach, here's how you can rethink it, and here's how you fix it, right? right. And that's what we've seen in the three episodes, four, whatever, that we've seen in Prodigy so far. I think that they're holding true to that pretty solidly. As far as like Star Trek references and complexity, the fact that we have a Medusan is incredible, right? The fact that they're pulling stuff like the the vehicle printer, uh, vehicle replicator, sorry, yep. uh, is a fantastic thing to fill in canon, right? How did Voyager keep losing shuttles? Oh, they must have had a vehicle printer. Well, why didn't they use it more? Because it sucks up a lot of energy, guys. You can't use it every day, but you use it when you need it, right? It's filling in canon pretty well for me. Um, even the whole concept of the emergency command hologram uh, being turned into like a training hologram for cadets or badgy being turned into a training hologram for cadets uh -huh. makes perfect sense and is being used here. Um, I don't know. I'm really enjoying the show, but I do enjoy cartoons. I'll still watch anime like every day I, when I find an episode or some show that I like. I'll, I will go. I rewatched Avatar mm -hmm. The Last Airbender just last year just because I wanted to binge it again. Oh, yeah. I've got I've got Avatar The Last Airbender and Korra and uh, Cal has uh, Voltron Legendary Defender oh, on Blu-ray. And like, and not, we're talking about, we're not talking about the old Voltron. The new Voltron. Was just, no, the Netflix was just like, one. Yeah, the new Voltron is awesome. And I love, Renzo, that um, you kind of, you know, mentioned that this has those vibes because I'm all about the interpersonal relationships. And we all know, like, 
okay, these characters are going to figure it out eventually. And the payoff is when they do that. It's very much like in those first episodes of the first season of Voltron. They didn't even form Voltron until like the sixth episode or something like that. <laughs> yeah, Way right. later. And so everybody who's like, where's Voltron? Where's Voltron? Where's Voltron? The payoff comes. You just have to enjoy the relationships, the dynamics, there's going to be betrayals. There's the rough spots where they're trying to figure it out. Gwen, definitely torn, wants to be a decent person, but keeps being told that has to do other stuff. And, you know, her, she's torn between her loyalty. And Dahl is like, I finally got the freedom that I've been wanting to taste my whole life. I'm not going to do anything anybody else says, but you have to figure out how to work on a team. So that Dahl's challenge. Jankum Pog, he, we don't know a whole lot about him yet, other than he's just sort of, you know, comedy kind of person-ish, but we're going to learn about him, and he's going to have that moment of vulnerability where he shares something that means more than what we know about him now, and then when we finally figure out a translator that can speak Murph, it's going to be brilliant. <laughs> um, you know, Zero's backstory, I'm totally waiting for that, and then, of course, everybody super hoping that we go back for the Cation kid because we have to go back for the Cation kid. And we know um, she's Cation, by the way, because of the subtitles that literally said speaking Cation. I know. <laughs> so not just other cat person, but actually Cation. Helps to make it uh, obvious. Which then, you know, goes into the weird things. There was a Kazon that handed over the Cation, and we know the Kazon are really like deep Delta Quadrant species, but Cations are Beta Quadrants. So how did these come together? What's happening there? And you know what? It's also because it is kind of a kid show. Maybe there's not an answer there, and I'm not really going to lose my mind if I don't get closure on that. Um, I, I do the think adventure. they're going to go back for the Cation, though. I think you're right. I think that that's going to be Gwyn's, like... That's going to be Gwyn's like Zuko episode, essentially. It's where she's going to go off, maybe taking Dao or Zero or something, or the whole team goes, but they're going to rescue her and maybe liberate the entirety of Tars Lamora if they can find it because it's now cloaked. Mm -hmm. It's also the biggest thing we've ever seen cloaked in all of Star Trek, as far as I think of. Well, Dag, we're talking about the uh, the Kazon handing over the, the Kation. So there was this comment here in our chat from uh, from Jesse Taggart. Delta Quadrant is a quarter of the galaxy and could be closer to the Beta Quadrant, like where Ambassador Neelix stays at the mining colony, uh, likely promoting the Federation's influence to the Delta Quadrant. But the thing was, there is the Kazon were more of the, if, if you're looking at it, you've got Alpha Quadrant, Beta, Gamma, Delta. But Voyager popped up in more of the kind of upper Delta gamma border uh, um no no the the other like the other end the, the border to nothing um in the delta quadrant because I mean, it's just the, the point that the kazon are way out right there. They're, they're way up so they're near this border so how did we get kazon there kind of right the galaxy's yeah. really big right like star trek is really bad about remembering how fucking big the galaxy yes is, it right? is every sci-fi is bad about this it's the size the that Federation the plot needs it to be no, it's 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 smaller than the plot needed to be most of the time. Even we're just bad about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. So the area that's the alpha and beta quadrants have literally millions of planets that are habitable just based on the numbers. Right. You could find a new race every single episode that has nothing like anything we've ever seen before and still stay in the alpha quadrant. Is it that it's many? a luxury? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That oh, yeah. There's like a, there's like oh a quadrillion God. stars in the galaxy, but I can't run but everything you it. need to know about Star That's Trek takes place in like this little dime-sized spot in the border between the Alpha and Beta quadrants. Yeah, and, when the Federation brags about having 150 member races, that's member races. That's not total planets, but even right. that is 
pretty tiny. Yeah. See, I'm going to have an existential crisis just, just trying to think about how unbelievably massive I, I my head's going to explode. Can't no, you're this. so tiny. We're all so tiny in the scheme of things. Yes. You, you know what I like to look at? Have you ever looked at one of those, um, like the size of things? websites where they, oh, they yeah, start down oh, at yeah. the uh shows like, like here's plank, your earth and then 20 yeah. minutes later here's the biggest star and earth isn't even on the map anymore <laughs> no the sun isn't even on the map anymore at that point yeah yeah the sun was long gone off that yeah. map <laughs> oh man and you know there's there's something to be said about the animation for this show i'm feeling Wait. some i mean i really like it but i'm also like getting some stop motion vibes are you are you seeing that when you watch it do you feel that like i don't think in it's Gwyn's bad i think it's kind of cool in Gwyn's fight scenes yes especially when she's doing things with her sword nanite shield thing definitely some stop motion he feels the things which is neat yeah um, but yeah because that, that's not that's like accidental they're 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 designing and rendering these to give us a little bit of that um that stutter that you get from stop motion, which I really appreciate. Um, I don't think I picked up that. Sorry, sorry to cut you off there. I didn't, I think maybe I was distracted by why does the protostar have Kelvin timeline warp nacelles on it, but maybe we shouldn't go there. I'll leave it alone. <laughs> I'm more interested in mean, why the, why the thing has two warp cores and only one of them can take them to warp 9.9. And what the hell is the other thing that's in the middle? Well, that's what we'll find out when they finally activate that third nacelle that they're teasing in the intro, the intro. montage. It's the nitro. You know how you have the nitro on your racing car? That's what yes. it's the nitro. There's going to be a Vin Diesel. <laughs> Vin Diesel cameo. Well, it's a show about family. These guys are forming a family. <laughs> Where is Vin Diesel? <laughs> the well, they went to space in the last Fast and the Furious. Oh, Might my well God. Now. Oh, Jesus, you're uh, right. I saw geez. that one. It's like, are you kidding me? Okay, sorry. This is not the so, Beyond Fast and Furious podcast. We we mentioned the <laughs> intro montage, and I really like that the ship is flying around little avatars of the characters. You know, as you can see here, you know, the protostar is right there, just sort of surfing along this avatar of holographic Janeway's face. It's a really cool way to say we're on the ship. It's expansive. It's beautiful. The graphics are really just popping, but also it's about these specific people. And uh, I just thought that was that was really cool. So I love the music that they made for this too. It has just enough notes of existing Star Trek music while it still sounds pretty fresh. Mm -hmm. And I think that the score for the whole show overall is different than anything we've seen in Star Trek before. It uses uh, between scene music the same way that TNG did, but it's using a different orchestra almost, right? It really has vibes for me of Star Wars, uh, specifically the original Star Wars movies, the, the original trilogy. Right. It reminds me so much with the musical cues. And I quite like it because this is the more rough and tumble story. This isn't like a clean Federation ship where everybody's doing OK and it's the utopian universe. No, 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 no. These are kids escaping unspeakable terror and horror and slavery. This requires a bit more of a rough and tumble audio track. And I think they've done it really well. And I think it was Michael Giacchino that composed it. I think he only composed the intro. I'm not sure he composed everything. That's probably true. But for those of you, but, yeah, Michael Giacchino did all three of the Kelvin verse films. Coming and the up, music for. It, it, amazing score that and he did. Up. Okay. Yeah. I, Started I out with it. balloons, went to spaceships. Got it. <laughs> so tell me, I'm going to have to listen to the intro again. I've, I've listened to it for every episode and I don't know why. And I'm 
I'm sure the the audience chat pack may all disagree with me. You guys might also think I'm crazy, but for some reason, I get kind of this like subliminal Stargate SG one type beats in in the intro. For some reason, it always makes me think of that. Now, are you guys familiar with that that show? The intro to it. Yeah, am, very am much. I, am I crazy? Very or I mean. The intro to Stargate One spells out what that show is all about. We're going yeah. to a whole bunch of different worlds, and we're fighting a lot of bad guys. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that there is a bit of that here too. Okay, I don't look up who wrote that actually. Well, which I don't one? Know, the... But I just picked up the metal version from Captain Meat Shield. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. So I mean, uh, you said the protostar has some Kelvin vibes to it, but what I was just picking up yeah. from it was like a very, a much more organic construction flow of the ship. Um, I'm, I was really, really hoping for that third nacelle to pop out in the first episode, but like forming Voltron, we yep. have to wait a little while uh, mm -hmm. to see what that's all about. Um, wait for the payoff. But, yeah, but I mean, even when they were stealing it and and Dahl was on top trying to get the shield generator thing into the ship and he pops it in right as that robot jumps and then the robot hits the shield and you're like, <laughs> yes, protected. Gripe. And, and they bunk out of there. Small gripe about that. Okay. A system as crucial as the shields should not be something that you have to service on the outside. I get if it's in a space dock, sure, but why would they think that this would never need to be done when the ship is in motion? I, I know that it was for the scene, it was for the action, et cetera, et cetera, but I'm just, I'm not, I'm not really, I'm it's not buying prototype. that. A, a prototype I mean, that's got the shield fixie thingy on the outside? Forget so that. I'm not going prototype. out there to fix it. The, well, the shield emitters have to be on the outside of the ship. And if the shield emitters are going to be out there, you're going to have to service them. And you might as well have uh, auxiliary and auxiliary and primary power sources adjacent to those emitters. And it's not like anybody was like, oh, by the way, let's figure out how to replace these things while we're being chased by murder robot in the middle of an escape while it's flying. No, you're going to be in space dock with a spacesuit, and you're going to have all the time in the world to pop these barrels back in there. Just don't be Worf, because we know how Worf is with it. Even barrels. so, right? <laughs> it doesn't even have to be in space dock. The thing can land on planets, as it demonstrates in the third or fourth episode, right? This thing could have been serviced on the surface somewhere. But what it if it has, has a ski? <laughs> what if it has to be great. done? What if it has to be done in space? That's what I'm saying is, what are they going to do? Turn on the shields, fill it with air, go outside, do well, the, do the no, job. No, but like but at impulse or warp or something. No, I mean like under no. duress. So if it's you're, not a if combat you're at warp, first of all, if you're at warp, you've got a warp bubble around the ship. All the inertia in that warp bubble is relative to the ship. So you could literally walk out there during warp and do the thing on a spacewalk. Well, you're right. Don't, I, again, don't be warp because it gave him a queasy stomach. It's not the um, ship that's moving when, when you're at warp. It's, right. it's the space around the ship. Okay. And so you've got that. Yep. Ward on time actually makes a good point too, right? This may not be a component that normally fails. This thing had been right. stuck inside of this geode of a planetoid for who knows how long. Uh, which I want to point out is another thing that reminds me from this show of the Voltron Legendary Defender show. The look of planets in Legendary Defender was sometimes very non-normal astronomy, oh, yeah. looking, right? Like they were oh, yeah. flattened discs with like a bulge in the middle. Or like Cars were more like twisted out or crushed or and just like no 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 in normal gravity yeah, those yeah. things would collapse back to a sphere but, <laughs> but look at the show 
Look at Tarzan yeah. Moore. It looks yeah. just like them. Yes, it does. Do we know, does anybody in the audience know if uh, the animators or even like the space, the science consultants for uh, Prodigy are working on this show too? Because we're getting a lot of those similar vibes, but maybe it's also just formulaic. Like, let's move away and take some risks about the way the show looks so that it has this really unique aesthetic to it. Well, it doesn't have to be more eye-catching for the younger audience because don't they tune more into the visuals and the graphics of things. So I would think that they are putting uh, the knowledgeable effort into that and not so much deep dialogue. It, it's kind of a, it's kind of a mix. Like you, you want the. It depends on the age of the audience. You probably have some kids mm -hmm. who are like 11, 10, 11 years old who are like really into the characters. Right. And then their little siblings are going, Ooh, pretty because the art's cool. Um, and that'll draw those kids into that story as they watch with their family members. Okay. Um, but if you're if you're an adult, you're probably just like, man, I remember when Gumby was a thing, and now we have Prodigy. Oh my god! So <laughs> you have to so say yeah, that. I looked it up. The the animation studio doesn't line up with Legendary Defender at all. No okay. similarity there. Because Legendary uh, Defender was DreamWorks. No, it was Studio Mir. Oh, was it? DreamWorks was a production company. Studio Mir did the actual Ooh. animation. Correcto. Oh. Okay. Yeah, and then Nickelodeon Animation Studio and CBSI Animation Productions do all the effects for uh, Prodigy. Well, I so. wonder if they if they uh, grabbed some people from Studio Mir is in Seoul. Other places. The Nickelodeon Studio is in Los Angeles. It's possible, Seoul. but You're yeah, Seoul, Seoul Korea. Seoul Korea, right on. I mean, we have likened this show to Voltron: Legendary Defender, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Um, Renzo, when this show first started coming out, when we did our Picard Prodigy preview, however many months ago that was, you mentioned that there was another Nickelodeon show that was a lot like this. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So in my childhood, like when I was nine or 10 years old, there was a TV show that came out called Space Cases. The premise was there's this uh, academy for students in space. It's part of their like Starfleet Academy equivalent, except it's their high school and middle school equivalent. And, uh, a ship docks there and it's empty. It's there with, it looks biological. Nobody knows what the hell it is. And these kids have said that they want to go check it out. This like group of students that is, you know, not top tier students. They're kind of middle, middle rung or bottom level students. And they just kind of go inside, try and play with it. And the thing detaches and it launches them into space at speeds they can't even comprehend. And now they're lost with a robot and with two of their teachers in the middle of nowhere. And they're just trying to get home right it's very lost in space uh the each one of the people on the ship is of a different alien race so no two are like the same one has a little antenna that he can shoot lightning from another one can yell and melt metal right so it's like oh. definitely a kid show uh it was live action uh it was quite entertaining and it had george takei as the main villain in it no so way it was, uh, yeah he was a big reptilian dude whose name i can't remember but it was a fun show what do you guys think about this this is a great observation by now, I think I'm going to get it wrong. Galinda, Galinda, Galinda B. You have, to, you have to put it phonetically in the chat. I'm sorry if I'm butchering it, uh, but says this is less of a kid show than it is a family show. So that's a good point. Okay. So it's not, not so much that they expect kids to be sitting there watching it uh, alone, but something that you can do with your family as a Trek fan, if you've got kids that you want to get introduced to this, because that's the a whole lot of point. They're doing this already. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that that's the point with oh, yeah. Prodigy is to get them in, get them in young while they're. You know what I would love to do. What's that? What I would love to do is if you're in the audience listening to this and your parents, like get your kids first takes, like record little videos of them, post them to, if you want to post them, post them to to Twitter and tag us. And we'll include those in a future episode to get like the cadet review. Your kids are the cadets. Let they're experiencing Star Trek for the very first time. Let's capture that. And, and see that energy from them. I think that would be great. I would love to see it if our if our audience put up videos like that that we can put together in kind of like a... Uh, the cadet montage. What's, what's the thing? A montage. Jeez, Louise. Yeah, a montage. Because I would really like to hear what, what kids think of this. Like an actual that age group. It would be awesome. So there's a... There's a couple other shows I want to call out that this that Prodigy itself is a lot like mm-hmm. uh, that were also family shows in their time, right? So the original Lost in Space, definitely a family, Lost in Space, deep in space, all on their own, just traveling around, solving problems with with moral lessons every episode. Danger will Robin. Exactly, mm-hmm. and the robot too, right? Like this is yeah. a this is a whole thing. So I think that there's definitely some uh, homage to it there. Uh, but the one I really, really want to point out is Farscape, which is a late 90s, early oh, 2000s show that was on sci-fi. Yes. Yeah, one of my favorites, too. So the premise is this. A human gets shot through a wormhole into the to somewhere else, right? And he's finds himself on a ship with a bunch of aliens that can't talk to each other's, uh, don't understand each other very well. They don't like each other. They're prisoners, and they're trying to escape. And they're being chased, and they end up with a prisoner who is related to the baddies, that they then have to convert and bring her to their side. There's a lot of similarities between Farscape and Prodigy, and that just makes me excited. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. You, you know what else I kind of get from this just a little bit? And uh, Glenda, thank you for putting that phonetically, phonetically in there. That's that's great. Now I won't butcher it. But Firefly, maybe kind of, sort of, a little bit. It, to me, it, I mean, has, it definitely has that frontier feel. Well, I, th- I think when you think about it, honestly, you could probably take any show that had any kind of ragtag group in a ship going somewhere. So maybe that's maybe that's too easy when you say, sure, it's some Farscape, it's some Firefly, it's this, a little bit of that. Yeah, but, but it, the first time any character in Prodigy says, I'm a leaf on the wind, watch how I soar, I'm turning the TV off. I don't want to know what happens next. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't no, 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 no. Bad memories. Too not soon. gonna know. Not gonna know at all. You know, <laughs> I so like Firefly, but I'm not the biggest Firefly fan. Like, I don't think that it's the greatest sci-fi that was ever made or anything like that. You watch so, your words. All you, I'm. I'll, I'll you, fight will, you. I'll uh, fight them. I'll, I'll fight you. For what, it. What's your address? I just want to talk. I you just want to talk. This is a Star Trek <laughs> podcast. We can talk about the Firefly podcast. But he's talking time. smack. The, nope, that's I hadn't even gotten to talking smack yet. I hadn't even gotten started. What I was going to say was Firefly was great about building a crew out of people that we didn't really understand, but gave them each some character as we went, right? Yeah. I'm hoping Prodigy does the same thing. I just hope Prodigy doesn't suffer from the same problem of Firefly, of taking itself uh, too seriously some episodes and then mm-hmm. forgetting that it's ever serious the next episode. The tone shifts that go on in Firefly were like distracting for me. Right. So, in War Dog Time, you're right. It's it's a stretch. I I tried to try to kind of back it up a little bit as I was as I was going there. But yeah, that's 
Good point. Okay. And you also had a good okay. point about Crichton. Poor Crichton. Farscape so, always getting his yeah, ass handed to him. I respect Firefly for what it was, but for as little sci-fi as it was, I can't put it very high on my list of like top sci-fi anything. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, oh I God. missed Firefly until after uh until after Enterprise was gone. And then I got into Firefly. Between Firefly and Doctor Who, it got me through the Darth between the end of Enterprise and the beginning of Discovery. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. So as far as just a show overall, I would say that it's drawing from great sources. It's pulling ideas from good places. It's feeling very sci-fi. Like that second episode where they're falling into the the white dwarf that's stripping the layers off of a red dwarf oh yeah that's very sci-fi concept that's something that was done a little bit in tng we see voyager in its intro montage fly through that essentially so like it's got references even in trek for it which is nice something that's really cool contrast is that episode kind of goes back to that lower decks episode that aired earlier where they were trying to teach that uh that one hollow teacher a lesson so like no, oh, no, no the, we're the falling party parts lady. yeah yeah yeah. we're falling into the black hole oh no and then as soon as the teacher's like all right i, I screwed up i'm sorry <laughs> then then freeman's just like okay we're fine and rutherford immediately corrects the ship and that's the juxtaposition between what a well-trained well-honed starfleet crew can do in a cerrito in a, a california class ship versus this top edge protostar with a bunch of kids and a hologram um you know that it was very easy in lower decks and it was very difficult in prodigy experience matters supposedly absolutely well the fact the fact that these kids were, were even able somehow intuitively to get the ship moving find the weapons you know just hit all the buttons so you get the pew 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 and I, I like that part because you know what one of my big gripes is about Star Trek is how like any character can come across any alien console or ship and kind of look it over a little bit and suddenly they're operating it. I just am not a big fan of that whole thing because for, for me, if I sit in a vehicle that I've never driven before. I'm probably going to end up gunning it right away because you don't know how sensitive the gas pedal is. I can't find the button for the rear windshield wipers. None of it. It, it, And that's if it was an American car. If the steering wheel is on that other side, no, forget about it. All bets are off. (laughs) But but Picard is going to sit in a Riemann fighter and suddenly... He knows how to pilot it. Data was it there too. Data, uh, was data there didn't too. know the data language translates. Yes, he did. He it took him a while. It took him a minute, but yeah. But still, you know, you, cool. you know what I'm saying? If I, if I, I do. Up in front oh, of I a, do. If I end up in front of a console that's in French, you're like, we're going to die. We're dead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I get where you're coming from, but I feel uh, like much less in like alien language. Yeah. I feel like things like replicators and tricorders kind of resolve some of those concerns for us, right? Like if you can scan up a console with your tricorder and it translates stuff for you or explains like the functions, like it can can translate and explain the function of a system for you, right? Whenever they're on these alien consoles, they're always scanning it with a tricorder too before they start pushing buttons, unless they're seven of nine or data because crazy. Well, hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. I, I mean, think, I'll, uh, 
that doesn't to totally get rid of my gripe, but it it helps relax. It I'm glad I helped a little. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I I want to spin off into this thought that I was having while I was watching it. Um, as as an instructional designer, I often I often have moments where it's like wow, I used to know how to, I, I know how to do this really well. And I can't remember what it was like to try and learn how to do this. And so I'm training people and I'm taking very discreet notes so I can be like, oh, they're asking these kinds of questions. Those are easy questions now because I'm doing it so long. Anyway, what's it like to watch Prodigy as an adult who may or may not be on the other side of a lot of these learning arcs and a lot of these experience arcs. These are kids. They're from nowhere. They don't know how to do anything. And, you know, it's easy for us to see, you know, doll as this, this impulsive, petulant kid. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy for us to see that, but you know, whether or not we're the target audience, the the payoff comes from uh, on this side of the coin to see that arc mature. And if you're a kid, it's probably if Doll's your favorite character, then it's probably to go along with Doll on that ride and recognize that you know inevitably Doll's going to fail, but he's going to get picked back up. He's going to be surrounded by people that give him that second chance, and that's like solid relationship building that kids can you know see really good examples of on shows like this yeah and i think that that's a really good point right like the the show is morality tales it also demonstrates good behavior from people right like they face adversity and then they overcome it like that is something you want your kids to see and you want to see kids doing it for kids so that makes sense to me 100 percent. and that's just why i you know we have a little document that we put together to be like what are we going to talk about for this live and i the headline for that section was how we know we're too old for a kid's show to which renzo said speak for yourself <laughs> i don't much. think that this is entirely a kid show i think that the point that was made earlier in the chat that it's a family show is legit right i'm sure that there are going to be storylines here that yeah, sure. adults will get but the kids will just gloss over and i think my favorite of those is hollow janeway and her calling kids the calling the crew cadets she says it with a tone that i think that the hollow janeway realizes that these are not cadets because they don't know what the federation is they don't know what starfleet is they don't know starboard these are not cadets but she's playing along and treating them like hollow nanny and helping them survive helping raise them essentially saving them i think that's something that's implied and i don't think kids are expected to get it well think about it if you get i'm sorry good dad go ahead I was just going to say to to spin off of Hollow Janeway there. I think Janeway's like primary mission is to keep Protostar intact. And so she realizes these are the assets that she has and she has to speak to them on their level. And she might even be, she might even have like the EMH, you know, basic program underneath all of those layers. Um, Her bedside matter is way better. Well, okay. But he had like seven years in space to, uh, (laughs) to figure that part out too. Well, what I was going to say is when you're talking about wanting to introduce your children to Star Trek, what choices and options, excuse me, choices and options do you have out there when you're thinking, all right, I want to, I would like to get my child hooked on this and to like it. And you kind of only have that one chance. It's like, okay, what episode or what movie do I do that with? And for me, with my son, Nacho, I took him to see Star Trek 2009. At that point, he was like four and a half and got him introduced to 
Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. Started young. He's, he's a big fan. Uh, he's hit me with some hypothetical questions about stuff in Trek that I didn't even think about. Um, as a movie, yeah, he might've been, well, but the thing is with, with those movies, they were, they were built to be the flashy star Wars, like, uh, fast pace. Yeah. Fast paced action. So yeah, that was great. Like you, you wouldn't want to introduce someone new to star Trek and have their first experience be to watch the final frontier. Nah, that's just, that's not going to work. I'm with you. It also is a bad idea to introduce people nowadays with the original series. And I had this happen recently. Um, where it's not a kid. I I don't have kids, but I had a friend of mine uh, who'd never watched Star Trek. And I was like, well, I want to introduce you to it. I think we can do it in this order. He's like, you don't want me watching the original series first? No, because you know how every episode ends. You may not have seen the episodes, but you're going to know how it ends because their plot lines have been reused by everything so many times that you can guess it. They reuse plot lines from the original series in in SpongeBob SquarePants, in Fairly Odd Parents, right? Like really? One to one copies of the plots. Yeah. Holy shit. So, yeah. And I think that's amazing. Um, it's why there are so many tropes that started because of TOS. So, starting somebody with TOS is probably boring. So, please I don't tell me, start there. Please tell me that none of these cartoons took the plot from Code of Honor. Please. Well, or... I was talking TOS, not TNG. Uh, oh, that, okay. That's right. Spock's that's right. Brain. That just all oh, Spock's brain. Spock's yeah, brain is go. definitely in a bunch of cartoons. No. Well, yeah, that belongs in a cartoon. That was a cartoony <laughs> kind of plot. What is brains? <laughs> right there with you. But yeah, so uh, I introduced him starting with Enterprise because I thought that really? doing it. Yeah. The effects were sharp enough and new enough that it wouldn't bug him. The storylines were generally treated as like, you don't know anything when you're watching this with a couple exceptions like Regeneration. But for the most part, it worked out really well. He's now a huge Star Trek fan. He watches Prodigy. So okay. he's, a, he's a caught up boy at this point. Well, okay. So you mentioned Enterprise. Was was that the, like, that was the choice then? Because that was what was on TV. Yeah. This was before had, Discovery, right? That, this is this is like two years ago. So oh, I had them okay. all on Blu-ray. Wow. I would I wouldn't have thought Enterprise being the, the introduction, but hey. You know, I, I mean, I that was the trade. I watched all of Doctor Who. He watched all of Star Trek. Yeah. It wasn't a fair trade, but blame him for that, not me. Okay, hey. so do we have who's in charge of the chat here? Uh, Trek fan, I love Spock's brain. Where's Where's the boot? Where's the boot button? No, people are no. Allowed to know what they Spock's want. brain is ridiculous. It's ridiculous, and it's still lovable. If his brain was taken out, why did he still have his eyes attached? Big J. This isn't a people TOS episode. I know that. Well, you started it. People are allowed to be wrong, Big J. Be nice. I'm trying. I'm using my words. They can be there wrong in their wrongness on Mount Wrong. It's fine. <laughs> People are allowed to love Star Trek however they want, man. I'm not I trying to gatekeep. You're right. Everybody's, everybody on the ship, as long as you're nice. <laughs> what we say, right? I'm trying not to gatekeep. I'm trying not to be a Star Trek fan. I'm sorry. It just Hey, if all else fails in your interactions, just ask yourself, WWRD, what would Rock Talk do? <laughs> Rock Talk would give you hugs. They might be like scrapey, abrasive hugs, but they're still hugs. Yeah, I'm actually with uh, Galinda. I think that she's right. Um, I think that the concept of idic is a very good way to introduce people to Trek, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. start with something that is super, super inclusive and you'll find something that they'll like. I think Voyage Home is a good movie to start people with. Oh, yes. Though I usually don't. I usually start with the trilogy. I'll do Wrath of Khan 
uh, Search for Spock and then Voyage Home treated as a trilogy and we're good. That's because it is. You can go on from there. Yeah, I agree. But uh, yeah, I think that that's a decent way to do it by movies. Um, Yeah, it's tough to do the motion picture if you don't already enjoy Trek because... It's, well, it's slow. The motion I, picture was very much a movie of its time. Besides Star Wars, which broke the shell of uh, science fiction, Star Wars, the motion picture was very much what sci-fi was like then. Yeah, it was Space 2001 and such. Yeah, no, yes. I get it. it. It's very much a picture of its time. I'm just saying, like, trying to get somebody into Star Trek now with it Sure, yeah. It's gonna be rough that's because of the sell. slowness. Yeah, yeah so that's also what idic means. Idic is saying there isn't one general solution for everybody. You're not gonna, and not everybody's gonna pick the same favorite episode, for and sure. not everybody is gonna have the same entry point that they're gonna appreciate. You might show somebody the motion picture, and they'll be like, "This is amazing," and then they tune out somewhere in I don't know, like season five of voyager where you get four or six super actiony episodes in a row and they're like this isn't my this isn't my jam whereas you have other people who are like these these six episodes are amazing why did you make me watch the motion picture first i mean it's just <laughs> your entry point your appreciation point will vary and i yeah. love it agreed well for uh, the, i think for the families for the young ones prodigy makes it a, a pretty good choice to to start them young with oh yeah Oh, yeah, it's definitely going to grab those Avatar vibes, those Korra vibes, those Voltron vibes. And it's going to give new Star Trek viewers the ability to follow along with these characters and watch them grow into whatever, wherever the show takes them. And I think, I don't know, maybe aspirations on my end, it's like, oh, they end up in the Federation and everything's hunky-dory happy. I don't really want that to happen, even though my brain's trying to get me to go there. Um but well, I think have, we'd have to understand why Dahl doesn't want that first. Like, we have to explore their backgrounds here and understand why Dahl is terrified of the idea of the Federation the way he is, to the point where Zero didn't even want to probe any further. So, yeah, I want to know what that's all about. And another great observation from Trek fan knowing the person, knowing something about the person also helps because you can get that vibe as to what, what to match up star trek with them or at least have a um a better idea of what to show this person and that kind of guides there if you don't know that that person well enough and you're just trying to guess that can make it more more complicated so yeah well that was another reason why i picked enterprise right the trade Mm -hmm. that i did was doctor who for star trek so i know that he likes episodic tv that has kind of timey-wimey wibbly-wobbly plots that sometimes only make sense at the end right? Which uh, Enterprise has a fair number of, and yep. it has the whole temporal Cold War aspect, which I thought might be engaging. Then we realized that he hated the intro soundtrack so much oh, that he God, wanted that's, to... That's yes. why your let's, choice was brave for anything. We watched it on Netflix, <laughs> so we just skipped the intro every time. We were fine with it, but the first time I made him watch it, he's like, this is terrible. What the fuck is Star Trek? <laughs> so it was pretty bad. Um, that's why when okay. he said Enterprise, I was just like, oh, that's brave choice. And it was just because of that song. But in all fairness, I when like I did Enterprise. my when I did my rewatch of Enterprise, uh, I made myself just go ahead and go through. It's a long road and all of that. And believe it or not, I, I actually got to where when they changed it. I appreciated the, right. I appreciated the original more after they changed it because it was 
ridiculous. Now they changed it in the fourth season. Third. Third. First, you have the same one. Third and fourth have the different one. Right, right. So you you take the the darkest, bleakest, most terrifying season and use an upbeat song to it. Like, okay, whoever made that decision needs to be fired. Okay, so going back to Prodigy, right? So let's talk about some of the other things. Sorry. (laughs) We've talked about the starships a bit. I wanted to bring up a small point about about the Diviner's ship. So yeah. it's called Rev 12. We only hear him say the name like once and we do get a pretty decent look at it. Uh, anybody who's read through the Star Trek Excalibur books, the same ones that we talked about where the Brakar come from, the baddies in that series or one of the baddies in that series is a group called the Redeemers of Zant, X-A-N-T. They are a religious fundamentalist cult that believe that they have to spread their religion as an affront to their God so that he is reborn to tell them what they're doing wrong. It's like, we want to piss off our own God so he comes back to fix us because we want him to come back. That's their religion, essentially, right? And their ships are described as being giant pyramids with articulating arms that sometimes spread out to capture Federation ships. Sounds a lot like the Diviner's ship to me. Scary. Yeah, they're not good people. They're not good people at all. They're the kind of... uh, They have this this shtick where they will send out a prophet onto a planet who says, convert or die. And uh, if they don't convert, he kills himself and spreads a viral plague that wipes out all life on the planet. What the? Yeah, they're not good people. Um, But yeah, there's definitely some overlap with the diviner versus the redeemers and they have Mm -hmm. prophets and, and such. So yeah, there's, there's might be more connections there too with the redeemers of Zant and the diviner and the Vaunacot, which we don't know anything about the Vaunacot at all. And you thought you had problems when those religious people come knocking on your door to hand you a pamphlet. Tuvix doesn't like them either. He barks at them a lot. Oh, yeah? Will you show us Tuvix sometime? I miss Tuvix. I haven't seen him in a few episodes. <laughs> it's his birthday and he's napping right now. I don't want to wake him up. Oh, okay. He's napping. He is, he is passed out on the couch well, after I a mean, hard day of chasing other dogs. What'd you give him? You guys drinking? <laughs> no, we just got, so I went to the dog park just before the episode. So, oh, okay. Or before the podcast he got a nice good run he's a good boy how old is he now he's one one okay he's i thought one. so oh my gosh he's still a baby boy what star trek Can I you point out introduce uh, your dog a to? meta moment in prodigy mm-hmm. it's it's the first star trek without a human main character and we really really get to take advantage of the animated mm-hmm. format to show off these very alien designs alien worlds alien backgrounds Um, I I just think that, you know, a lot of people who may have, you know, really liked the aesthetic of, you know, the sort of sterile aesthetic of Federation Starship, they're going to get something a lot different from the aesthetics of this show. And it's because, again, animation has the ability to free up production from the constraints of makeup and CG in a live action format. Notable though, the the look of the inside of the protostar is a little different than other Federation ships we've seen too. Like it looks honestly to me more like the the Normandy SR1 from the first Mass Effect game. Uh, just the wider hallways, the blackened sections, the kind of trapezoidal shape of things, which is great. I like the Normandy. I, I like the look of this ship, so I have no complaints on that one. You like it so much uh, you threw your microphone across the table. A little bit. <laughs> I talk with my hands. I'm Hispanic. I can't help it. Uh, but yeah, so it happens. 
Um, but yeah, no, I like the design. I think it's pretty cool, but it isn't very standard Federation-y, and it even doesn't look at all like how the Cerritos does as a California class. It's in an animated format. It just looks a little different. You know what it really gives me the vibe of? Like uh, a test, like an American aircraft, like a Concorde or a Blackbird. It's got that very test feel to it. Just, just a reminder, the Concorde was not an American aircraft. It was British-French. I'm a jackass. <laughs> I'm an American jackass, but I don't know how to say that in French. So if you know how to say it in French, just je suis un jackass. I don't know. <laughs> je suis un framboise. Well, we could we could catch what you were what you were laying down about it. Yeah, being no, a I get it. Yeah, it definitely is a prototype. It definitely has that like this is still not finished kind of look to it. Right. But the Defiant yeah. was also a prototype. It was an NX class as well, or an NX ship as well. And it definitely looked more done than this. But that might just be because Cisco was gonna getting it as an actual ship for use oh that that's right, a good point Have we... helped design that ship too true okay i was just looking at the, the i've got a bigger picture here of the ship here and because i'm going to make sure they got the registry right it is an nx so it's yeah. honestly NX to me it looks like an evolution of the nova class yes. like it's really neat it's got the articulating warp missiles that we see go down in the intro that's new i like it a lot um but yeah it's i like the design it's pretty neat um the fact that it is meant for long range almost solitary exploration with a pretty small crew cool and it's fast apparently so is that what it's meant for though why would you send such a i thought voyager was small for something like well they weren't supposed to end up in the delta quadrant voyager is small yeah but i would think that if the protostar was meant as a long-range exploration vessel that you wouldn't want to send something small you don't want to send a gigantic ship. I mean, maybe you do, you know, you'd have more room, more provisions, whatever, but why a small one? Why would you, this looks more because like a ship that you send out scouting. Because of the speed, right? If this thing can go to the Delta Quadrant and back in like a week, if you go there, you find something you don't know the people for, you go home, you bring them back, and then you come back to your mission, right? Oh. If it's as fast as this thing is supposedly is, like with quantum slipstream or something, yep. it's going to go back and forth to Federation space and like, couple times a week kind of thing. You think so? Hmm. We'll definitely find out as Star Trek Prodigy continues. Yes. Um, We Uh, are coming up on that. that. One small point on that before we do that. I wanted to do that too, but you can. I was just going to say that uh, Void, or sorry, Captain, or the hollow Janeway even goes, do you want me to lay in a course for Federation space? Like it's a trivial thing. Like, oh, we'll we'll, we'll lay in the course and be there. It's not a 70 year journey anymore. So I think there's definitely an implication that it's a lot faster. Sorry, Dad, go ahead. No, it's an inside joke for her. She's laughing like you want to set a course for Federation (laughs) space. Sipping her coffee as she goes. You guys are going to, we're going to learn you. That that was the (laughs) sassiest hologram movement in Star Trek. Prove me wrong. When she just like created a hollow cup of coffee and drank that, like you're a hologram. You don't need that and you did it yeah, anyway yeah. i love grab you. the badgie grab the badgie that's still more sassy than that <laughs> um yeah i just wanted to let the audience know star trek prodigy is going to be taking a break after its fifth episode and we're going to be getting all of star trek discovery season four and then star trek prodigy the final uh half of the season will be airing after discovery really uh, and oh. yeah, that's the way that the uh, the producers have published it. But also, we just learned yesterday that it looks like Prodigy is getting another twenty episode second season order. So, but they're being split up differently from what we learned from David Mack. Like from the, the second season, yeah, right. 
well, yeah. not even just that. He said that they were going to treat the second season that was just confirmed as a third season because this first 20 episode run is being split into two seasons, he said. That's that is true. That is very right. true. There's going to be like that Legend of Korra feel where it airs for a year, but you get two very distinct stories out of that. And I'm very much wondering if this fifth episode is going to end on like an urgent cliffhanger. And then the kids who are watching are going to have to learn, just like I did that fateful summer of 1990 when Riker said fire, that you don't get to see what happens for three months as you wait for the series to come back. Still have PTSD from that. Um, It's been 30 years. If you want to talk to me about it, you can take up my therapy hours. (laughs) I'll use it. Do they they take (laughs) Anthem? So uh, I I just put up the number for the Beyond Track hotline, 513 279-2344 would love to hear from you if anyone would like to call and yeah, talk to us absolutely. about the show today in Prodigy it says 513-279-2344 so real quick i thought the the whole the intention the whole time with uh prodigy and discovery was to have them go concurrently if, if prodigy is going to be like no yeah, but why wouldn't why wouldn't they do that? Because Discovery is going to be a thirteen, like what twelve to 13, 14 episode season. If it's a kid, if Prodigy is a kid show, which it is, kid show, family show, why would you suddenly put Big J? Fourteen. You've weeks? made this argument. You've made this argument like twenty times. With but me. I don't remember. I I'm, I'm old. You said break. What genre I said. overwhelmer overload of like Star Trek overload, whatever you called it, right? I and there's too much of it. Yeah. You've made this argument so many times. It's that they're probably just afraid to overwhelm people with too much Trek at once. So what you're saying is, is that this is what I argued for and I got it and I'm still complaining. Exactly. Yes. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I can't help it. I don't know where I, I get was it. just going to be here and say like, I think they're doing this because they don't that because Star Trek is so popular that if they had two shows running side by side, we would just crash Paramount servers. Right. Well, it was that franchise fatigue is what I was worried about. That that's the word you used. Yeah, franchise fatigue. I got you. you. Notable though. Yep. Notable though, the first episode of Prodigy when it went live, the servers of Paramount were definitely struggling to keep up. Wow. So that's definitely a good sign as far as like people watching the show. Wow. Wow. That is, that is awesome. Now, well, I'm going to mute myself here. It looks like th- this is weird. I don't know why I get a voicemail was suddenly the, like the phone didn't even ring. So let me somebody, listen to this. Somebody tried to call, to call us yeah. and, and it just didn't, just didn't do the thing. No, didn't do the thing. So if, uh, if you know who Linda, you are, I am with you. I also miss real TV seasons, 26 episode seasons. Bring them the fuck back, please. Right. Okay. <laughs> but let's talk. I mean, if we're going to do that. We have to talk about like production costs. The Hold reason on. we could have 26 episode seasons is because we could afford 26 episode seasons. I was watching TNG. TNG gets you like 44, 45 minutes without commercial. Enterprise only gets you 42. The original Star Trek got you like 55, 56. So the production costs are eating in to all of that and i think they're choosing to spend those money on those 13 episode seasons to get full quality you're right in all points no disagreements those are all very relevant things i just think we should sell off an aircraft carrier or two and nationalize star trek and fund it properly star trek on pbs you have my attention sir yeah exactly right like just give it more money i have no complaints about it just give it more money can you tell us how to get how to get to the alpha quadrant 
<laughs> Listen, Star Trek has never had a musical episode, and I'm in for it. I'm oh. here. Buffy managed to do it, and it was amazing. Do it for Star Trek too. Yes. You know right. what? You know what happened? I somehow unlinked my phone from the oh, from no. the thingy. That's that's why it didn't ring. So let's play this. Let's play this voicemail. Uh, yeah, I know. I messed up. Hold on a minute. Broke the thing. There's so many people who are trying to call us. I was just called right in to talk about Prodigy. Um, but uh, I will try again later. So if, if that if that was you, please call us back again. Sorry, Big J had a technical mess up moment. So that's why, you know, so. I think hey, you should get your hollow Janeway to fix your I, technical problems. I can have one technical mistake a year. That was the one. Computer, run a level <laughs> one diagnostic on the comm system, please. <laughs> So oh it's five one three two seven nine. I think a musical episode of Lower Decks would be perfect. A, a musical episode okay. of Lower Decks, yes. Lower Decks. <laughs> but make it so that they're like mandated to sing somehow. Uh, so Q fucks with them. You must sing. You can't not <laughs> sing, kind of thing, right? Like that's what they did in the Buffy episode. It was a devil that was just making everybody sing. Was, or has, there's or never been a musical just, episode, right? They're hunted by a species that is attracted to neutral tones, so they all have to speak melodically in order to get through that that, that species space. That would be beautiful. I would love See, that. A Herodian mus musician is hunting them, kind uh -oh. of thing. Oh, Jesse just said that. that Jesse, Jesse just said they left a second voicemail. It's not coming through, I, I, Jay. I am sorry about that. It's it's. I mean, the thing's linked. Jay, you now. broke all the things. Gotta, you got to be watching it when the call comes in. I, I'm, I've got my my eye right here. Like, I, I see the I the thing. Oh, you know what I probably did? I probably... And now I, and I don't think I blocked the Google Voice number. That'd be stupid. Ooh. Well, there's been so many telemarketing Hold calls up. and all that. Dad, you up. call it. Let's see if this... I, I, I'm i not going to call it because I don't have my phone near me. But I was asked in you chat... You don't have your if, phone near if, you? If the communicator works... So I'm going to hope I don't blow out the speakers, but give me some bandwidth here to push some buttons, okay? I think I heard it. It makes a little noise. <laughs> well, Jesse, so sorry. Yeah, we're here. here. Well, that's oh, your old-fashioned communicator. Ooh, the Bluetooth one. That, yeah. I was not you expecting got, wait, that to happen. Wait, Wardogheim, you have the Bluetooth version of this? Because that's an expensive piece there. There's a Bluetooth version of the... Start there's a Bluetooth version of the the badge com, and there's mm -hmm. a Bluetooth version of this. But the only one that I can find like six hundred bucks on eBay, and I'm not going to pay six hundred bucks for a phone. Wait a second, I paid six hundred bucks for my cell phone. All right, let's think about this a little bit harder. <laughs> <laughs> let's think about this for a second. All right, Jay. I'm going to call you and see if the thing is working. Look, okay. Five, yeah. One, three, two, seven, nine, two, three, four, four. Yeah. Tell me what in the world happens, happens there. Maybe it takes a little bit to reconnect. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> Are we now the Young Princess, Princess Bride? Beyond yeah. Princess Bride podcast. Yeah, we're good there. Hey, look there. It's ringing. Yeah, yeah. So I, okay, so maybe we're you hang up on me. Yeah, okay, I so hung I guess, up on you. Get some weird echo there if I kept talking. Oh yeah, yeah. So I guess apparently it's decided to to work now after after this thing failed me, embarrassed me. You have failed well, your Lord city. Dog, you got to share that kind of link, man. Like you can't you can't make us that 
hungry for it, and then not tell us where you got it. We need some other cool props. This is a 3D printed tricorder dice case. Uh-huh. I like that one. What's I'm amazing gonna, about it? I want to 3D print a phaser. Custom dice. Nice. Little Star Trek nice. logo that I made for my wedding. I got married Gag. on Halloween. It was amazing. Gag, show them the uh, the coaster. Oh, the Boldly Wander coaster? I don't have one near me. If only somebody listening to this podcast could bring me one. No, not yet. We have a 10 second <laughs> lag. Oh, we'll see Renzo. Renzo has one of the coasters. So that's cool. Yeah, I made those. It's it was it's super good. It was just mmm, chef's kiss. <laughs> they came out great once I figured out how to do it. Very pretty coasters. They're very pretty coasters. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Well, um, anything else? Are we gonna are we gonna wrap this up and start the? Unless anybody has any more notes about the yeah. show. Yeah. What What's your favorite part of Prodigy so far? And we can totally talk about that. And hey, look at that! I have a I have a fan that brought me one of my coasters, and it sort of reflecting the monitors. I want to so see happy. the thing I'm most excited for is I want to see where each of the characters falls into a role. I don't think Gwyn's going to be the leader. I think it's going to be Dal. I think we're supposed to be like a maturation story for Dal. And then Gwyn is somehow going to be like his angel on his shoulder, trying to steer him in better direction. I think that's kind of how that's going to go. I was getting a more relaxed vibe between them, kind of like Aang and Suko. I was thinking it was going to be more like Aang and Sokka. Really? Yeah, because Sokka was the real leader of the group. He's the one who made all the plans and came up with all the mm. ideas. But Aang was the like the leader, even if Sokka was the brains. But yeah, so uh. that's what I'm excited for. And I really want to know what it is that the Diviner is actually doing. Is he precognitioned? Like, what is he doing? Like, what is his what is his? <laughs> okay. that out for sure. Here we go. We so I'm gonna call. No, I'm gonna call. Me? I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call back. I was just thinking. Yeah, oh, I will. Jesse posted who, who their question in chat too. Jesse was at. That, that was Jesse. Hello. Hello, Jesse. Yes. Hey, sorry about that. Big J with Beyond Trek Podcast. I figured, well, I'll just call back. I'll just call out because for whatever reason, the uh, Google voice number didn't reattach to my phone because I'm a jackass and uh, must have taken a little bit of time to do that because now it worked for DAG. So tell us what you think about first uh, four episodes of Prodigy. Um, I've really been enjoying them. I'm a old, well, I grew up with Next Generation. And so Wesley I connected with, and then Jake in Deep Space Nine. Um, then, yeah, and then Voyager was the first series with, I watched first run, and then eventually Naomi and all the kids. So I'm loving Prodigy's introduction and especially with Janeway and I hope that she introduces Rock Talk to uh, the adventures of Flotter oh yes. man yes oh. <laughs> adventures of modern Rocco's what a thought that's amazing I would love that <laughs> yeah Rock Talk meeting well do they even have a holodeck we don't know the ship may not have one well, it's like, well I mean oh. they have holograms mm-hmm. Yeah. They have hollow well, like well, emitters. So the same as the Prometheus could. did, right? The Prometheus right. had the hollow doctors that just walked around the whole ship, but we don't know if it had a hollow deck. But yeah, no, that's a cool idea. Seeing Flotter and the tree dude interact with Rock Talk might be really fun. Oh, yeah. So, Jesse, what's, what's uh, your opinion on where to start a new fan for Star Trek? 
Um, I'm going to have to go with Enterprise. Start at the beginning of the canon timeline. With Enterprise. Okay. Okay. It, it's not a bad place to start if you go the route of starting in, in canon. Uh, it's a prequel, but start, <clears throat> excuse me, start with that. So, all right. All right. Very, very interesting. Yeah, it's like going back to episode one to introduce somebody to Star Wars. Mm-hmm. True. Oh, but you know, here's the, I want to watch it this way. Have you heard of the machete order? Which uh, it's episodes four or five. One, two, three, one, two, three, six. Yeah. So I have a modified machete order that I do uh-huh. when I'm trying to do this to people. I start them with rogue one, right? Yes. Rogue one leads right into a new hope. So you do rogue one, a new hope, empire strikes back. Uh, one, two, three, solo, six seven eight nine okay so okay well i have to talk solo because solo because uh return of the jedi has the whole escape scene the rescue of han solo from from java's palace right so give Uh the guy some backstory oh yeah oh okay okay uh the machete order is only going to get weirder as we move forward jesse you had asked in chat uh if you two questions and let's we'll do i'll ask them both and we can answer them one at a time but uh the first one was will the young audience have the patience to keep interest as the story is just starting and the second question was do you think uh the show will make the lesson of a morality play come back and uh i would like to hope for both like I think as a kid, I got pretty hooked on shows just because that was what was on TV. So if my parents are watching it, then I'm totally going to go for it. Older kids, I hope they have like a routine where it's like wake up in the morning, eat their cereal, and then put Prodigy on. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I, I agree with you. Je- with like when either the cliffhanger or when they come back, that patience is actually their morality play lesson of the time. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think that the morality plays are already starting, right? Like the morality play for the second episode, not the pilot two-parter, but the second full episode was even if you think you know what you're doing, it never hurts to ask for help, right? If you've run out of ideas, ask for help. That was the whole lesson for Dell. Reach out to Janeway Hologram, ask her. She knows more about this than you do. Ask for help. In the third episode, it's this whole like under times of adversity, work with people you don't agree with because you need to survive, right? There's morality plays to all of this. So Which is I'm a good, excited for it. Then that's a good lesson for for the young ones because they're going to have to learn that. We all have that sort of innate feeling of this is the thing that I've got to do. I've got to accomplish it myself. And you don't you don't ask for that help. Which mm-hmm. someone could be thinking in an entirely different direction that you weren't, and suddenly you've got a solution out of that. Yeah, it's part of it, right? Like, like multiple we saw with, uh, perspectives. Cindy and Rutherford in season two. Yep. It's, it's a very idic thing, right? To kind of take that lesson. Well, well, I'm sorry. What's the lesson with uh, Tendi and Rutherford? Um, yeah, with Tendi and Rutherford and then um, Mariner and Jet in season two when they were on the uh, artifact ship. Yeah. 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 You know, how to take, yep. take ideas from everyone. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. part of idic, I would say, right? Where you have to like listen to opinions and totally different perspectives in your own. Yeah, that's great. Thank you very much, Jesse, for the insight. We appreciate it. And thank you so much for calling. Sorry about that little technical issue, but it's great to hear from you. Thank you so much for calling our hotline and contributing your thoughts to the show. So 
hope you continue to like Star Trek. Thanks for There's someone us. in chat asking a question there that I want to definitely point out. There's someone named Laude Weddle that asked a really good question about having free time to watch TV before school. I certainly did not. I was waking up, throwing on clothing and being dropped off at school. So I had no time before school to watch anything. I think it was, it's it funny. was luck if I had breakfast. I think it's funny <laughs> that you're like, there's someone in chat named Laude Weddle when Laude Weddell is my husband. Yeah, that's cat. Yeah. Well, didn't I'm know how well much aware. you wanted to. <laughs> I didn't want to call it out. I just I'm totally gonna do it then. Yeah. Okay. Well, you do it then. <laughs> yeah. yeah and everybody say hi. Hi. I used to get up at like five thirty in the morning to watch Tom and Jerry. Oh, five thirty in the morning. I was barely asleep by then. <laughs> Not all of us can be the cool night owls you are. Oh, right. Right. Well, yeah, without the is... night owls, I wouldn't have my midnight Taco Bell run. So. I'm all for it. <laughs> well, I would get up early and watch that because uh, they would show Three Stooges episodes at, at different points during the East Tom Stooges. Were you born episode. in like the 30s or the 40s? No, the repeats. I, I wasn't watching this live. Oh, yeah. Hey, I know this one. This is a classic. They're all it's classics. They're it's all 70 years what's, old. What's a repeat? What's a rerun? <laughs> You're right. right. What's Welcome a rerun? to the Beyond to the Back Beyond Back to the Future podcast the beyond nick at night podcast Ooh. man well hey we're gonna be on for a couple more seconds if you guys really want to if you want to call in i'd love to hear your voices it's so great interacting with you war dog time come on hit it up um <laughs> but uh yeah so next episode of prodigy is going to come out next thursday so that's only four days away if you're listening okay. to this live mm -hmm. Uh, if you're not listening to this live on the VOD, then just aim for the date that is supposed to be uh, the, the 18th of November, 2021. Wasn't Generations released on the 18th of November, like it feels seven years ago, something like it, that? It feels I feel close like to that, that was the right day for Star Trek Generations. You, you looked that up at some point, didn't you? Just so I don't bother. Oh, jeez. No, you're right. November 18th, 1994. You got Holy it. shit. Yeah. Right off the top of my head, that's the kind of fan I am. Well, yeah, that was good. Ah. That's good recollection. So, yeah. uh, in season four, Discovery is the twenty fifth of, of November coming up. Yeah, the next after. week. Okay. Yep. Okay. Well, yeah, because you remember um, Generations? They were filming that like at the same time they were doing the last several episodes of TNG. I don't think it was the whole season that they were doing that, but a good portion of it mm. uh, because it was the Season seven of Next Generation ended around like May ish, ninety four, and then well, they couldn't strike the the sets until after Generations is done, anyways. Right. True. So yeah. the the way that they did that was uh, the season wrap, the production wrap for TNG was sometime in late February, mm -hmm. and then it was March through like July or September that they were doing uh, Generations, and then it was after September that uh, they struck the sets. Gotcha. You got oh, there's two Vix. Oh, nice two Vix. <laughs> well, see, and for uh, any of you that haven't heard this yet, so two Vix is Renzo's dog, and at some point here, Renzo is going to split the dog into two other dogs, which is the fate of two Vix. But you're not going to do that. Okay, good. No, he's too cute. <laughs> He's Besides, too cute. It's good because we cute. don't want dog that's one cute. <laughs> but um, he's two thirds of a continent away from. From what? Wow. 
I'm I'm reading War Dogheim. War Dogheim's birthday is on the 18th, so congratulations! Your bride will be able to watch November uh, Prodigy on the 18th for her birthday. It's a great way to spend uh, her birthday. But I'm sorry that you're two thirds of a continent away. That's so sad. I hope it's for a good reason and good cause. Two thirds Eastern, mm. two thirds West, Western, Northern, Southern. Are planetary. you Australian? You could be in orbit, like two thirds of a continent in orbit. It's only like two thousand miles. That's not very far. True. Yeah. How many miles you got in your car? More than two thousand. I mean, 2, that's, <laughs> that's certainly more than the ISS is up, though. Uh, up in space with Jeff yeah, Bezos. True. It's true. Jeff but when you really, escape. when you really want to get away from everybody, you go to space. <laughs> well, I think I think we have covered our prodigy yeah. for episode review. You guys can check us out on VOD. Please check out all our other episodes. Subscribe, like, find us on Twitter at Beyond Trek Pod. And special uh, thank yous. Y- yep, our special thank yous. Stephanie Baker is a Patreon and Anchor subscriber. Nora Hickson for Patreon. S Tam is Patreon as well as Anne Marie. Is another Patreon provider and Jim Cook on Anchor. And have we we've gotten screen caps here recently from John from Cygnus Dash X One? Yeah, for yeah. our lower decks shows we use yep. our screen caps from John at the Cygnus Dash X One dot net. He's got great timing. Yep, yep. So th- thank you, John, for continuing to do that. Uh, thank everyone, and I'd like to thank the chat pack for coming in and spending time with us. It's always great. One of our favorite things to to do here. So, absolutely, we are a hundred percent grateful that you have chosen to go boldly with Beyond Trek Podcast. All right, everyone, take care. Have a nice week. We are Beyond Trek Podcast. Lower your inhibitions and surrender your years. We will add inspirational and hilarious Trek content to your day. Your attention will adapt to subscribe to us. Resistance is futile.